What's up, guys? Welcome back for episode five of Top Waffler. Um, we got a bunch of stuff to talk about. Recap the UFC fight night that happened on Saturday. Preview this uh, pay-per-view coming up um, on this week, Saturday. Absolutely just talk, go in and on the Clippers and Kawhi Leonard and Manchester United for that fact, too. And just talk about what happened this past week in the world of sports. Um, yeah, so uh, I don't know how. Let's see how this one goes. So, firstly, Colby Covington just absolutely ripped Tyrone Woodley apart, man. Like, say what you want about Covington's uh, political views and, and that stuff, but there's no denying that he's an insane fighter. He's insanely talented. He's crazy motor, man. This guy has has an engine that just doesn't stop. Um, he, out, he f- f- was like 113 significant strikes to two in the fourth round. He just he killed Woodley, man. And uh, Woodley had a broken rib and had to get a stoppage in, in round five because of it. The guy's lost 14 straight rounds. Um, it's It's time for him to retire, man. It's it's time for him to retire, or he needs to take like a long break, man. Because this guy just he he's lost all his will to fight. Like he went for a glove a glove tap at the start of the fight and the end of and the start of round five. I mean, and um, like <laughs> with the beef that the two of them had, uh, it's coming from like political reasons too, right? But then. For you to go for a glove tap with a guy that you've been beefing and a guy you like at least seems like you legit have legitimate hatred for, like it just shows your mind's not into it. And like after like all the stuff him and him and Covington have had back and forth, the fact that he cannot get up for the fight and actually swing at Covington just shows, man, his motivation's gone. I mean, he might just be collecting checks at this point, and if he is, like, all the power to him, you know, credit to him for, for doing that. But then, like, is it worth it to to get your head pounded in, to get you to just eat shots the whole the whole fight, just just lose like ridiculously embarrassing fashion for a former champion? I don't know, man. That's a that's something you have to you gotta think about because that's that's pretty embarrassing. As a, as a former champ to lose 14 and a half rounds straight, well, it's 15, though, pretty much, like, to lose every single round and every single fight you've had in the past three fights, that's that's pretty sad, and that taints your legacy. And even if you have a good legacy, it'll still put a bad image on it. And I know this guy had this guy's not, like, the most loved, uh, loved fighter or anything, right? Lots of people don't like the guy. And uh, but you you can't deny when he was a champ, like he defended the belt with lots of pride, and he defended it amazingly for a champion. And this kind of just puts all of that away because now when you think of Tyrone Woodley, you're gonna think a guy that has been dominated his last three fights. And yeah, they're top contenders. I mean, obviously, Kamaru Usman dominated him, and he's a champ now. Gilbert Burns has dominated him, and he's fighting for the championship in December. And Covington was the former interim champ. He lost to Usman, and he was most likely going to get another shot after the Burns-Usman fight if he doesn't get Leon Edwards. And that's another thing, man. Circling back to talk on Kobe Covington, 
the fact that Kamaru Usman broke this man's chin or, or broke this man's jaw, I mean, and knocked him out just says so much more about Kamaru Usman. And trust me, I'm a guy that doesn't like Usman at all. Like I, I think his um, media antics, his like the way he composes himself in the media is kind of cringy. And it's just like, uh, it's just, it's not, mm, it's not like my personal preference, the way he goes about things in his press conference and stuff. Right. But you can't deny it. he's a, he's a fucking insane fighter too, man. The fact that he was able to knock out uh, Covington, and it's close. Like, yeah, that fight was really close. I mean, one judge had it 3-1 for Covington. One judge had it 3-1 for Usman. And the other judge had it 2-2 going into the fifth round. But for him to get the finish on a guy that's, like, that explosive, has that much of a motor, it says a lot about Usman, too. And lots of people, you know, disrespect him for, for the way the fight with Jorge Masvidal went in July, where he pretty much hogged him for for 25 minutes right and just just got the the foot stomps on him but um that's what he has to like he he's shown though he has the knockout power he broke covington's jaw and sometimes you gotta you gotta change your style for the type of person you're fighting and and he knew he has the wrestling on jorge right and it's not the it's not the most entertaining but you really think they give a shit about what the fans find entertaining man these guys train their whole life to become a champion. And once you're a champion, you're going to do whatever it takes to keep that championship. You're not going to, you're not going to always say like, Oh, I'm a sick wrestler, but I'm going to start throwing my hands and leaving myself exposed to potentially get knocked out myself. Oh, because the fans will find that more entertaining. No, you're going to be like, this guy doesn't know how to wrestle. I'm going to just wrestle with him and I'm going to keep the championship. Cause that's what I care about. That's what I trained for. So people that hate him for that reason, that's just, it's stupid. If you want to hate him for his like, media cringe personality yeah go for it but like i do that i don't i don't hate him i just don't like him that much and uh but you can't deny the fact that he's he's a good fighter for sure and i hope um i hope he actually beats gilbert burns because i hope we, we see um covington usman too because that'd be a good fight again man because the first one was that was crazy and, and as much as covington's a loud mouth and, and an idiot he's He's still such a sick fighter to watch, man. His fights are, his fights are, are crazy, crazy fun to watch, and um, he just has an insane motor. It's something that's really, really a pleasure to watch for sure. So hopefully, um, Kamaru Usman can successfully defend the welterweight title against uh, Gilbert Burns coming up in December, because I'm pretty sure everybody wants Covington Usman number two. So then now we go into Saturday. Uh, we got. UFC 253, you got Israel Adesanya defending the, the middleweight against... Uh, oh, wait, actually, before we go into that, other guy, Kamjat, Hamzat Chemaya, man, this guy, this guy, after all that, that shit talking about, he's going to smash his face in a one-punch knockout. That's crazy. And now there's talk of him getting another fight before the November, the November fight I think he has with Damian Maya. So, and he might be going on Fight Island. This guy is just crazy, man. Like, uh, the the meme name of Kabig for him. Like, dude, the, I hope this guy continues to go on the hype train. Because, I mean, you see people that have hype trains that just that just fall off kind of. Macy Barber had one when she was undefeated. I mean, Sugar Sean O'Malley just last month after injuring himself. So, hopefully, Hamjat could uh could keep this going because you know he can fight at 170 and at 185 and i saw the tweets from uh from dc i think it was really through ariel halwani's account but um it's uh dc has high hopes for him that he thinks by next year by 2021 he'll be fighting for the title and that he'll eventually get the 170 he'll move up to 185 get the double 
they'll be the double champ and then he'll he'll be defending in both divisions and yo, know, I hope we get that man. It'd be so sick, especially like this guy is just funny with the way he talks, and like it's not that he has an accent or anything like that. It's just the way he talks. He literally just says to his opponent's face, "He's like, I'm gonna smash you," and and then he goes and does it. Like you you can't debate with that. And what he just put out on Twitter, like literally, I think 15, 20 minutes ago before recording this, he just listed like the top five after Birds and Usman in the one seventy. He listed off Leon Edwards, uh, Damian Maya. I think he put Ty Woodley in there. I'm not actually sure. Uh, Colby Covington was in the tweet, and so was Wonderboy. And he's just like, give me any of these guys, and I'll smash them. And then after that, give me a title fight. And, yo, give him give him a higher-rated contender, man. And let's see what he does, because he's, um, he's, he's a good watch, and he's a good sell right now. And if you're the UFC, you got to, you got to um, find, you got to, like, kind of explode the hype train, you know? Lots of people are going are gonna to tune in because of him, because he has sound bites. And he's provi- he's backing up those sound bites with actual highlights, so he's gonna bring in the the uh, the viewers, the money. He's gonna bring in the money. Yeah, he's gonna bring in the money. So you gotta you gotta profit off that. You gotta tag along, and you gotta you gotta strap a rocket sh- a rocket to him and just let it carry you. So I mean, who knows, man? Maybe a year from now he actually has a double champ. And I mean, to do that though, he'd have to move up to 185, which is where the main event is on Saturday. Uh, Israel Adesanya and Paulo Costa, and that should be a good fight, man. Uh, hopefully, it's better than Izzy's defense against uh, Yoel Romero, which really disappointed for the hype it got. So, obviously, you don't want to get too excited for fights, right? I mean, lots of fights are always going to be disappointing. Some fights live up to their expectations, so hopefully, this one does it, and we're going to get another title fight on the same card. Obviously, for the light heavyweight championship, Dominic Reyes and Jan Blaszewicz. Blash- Black Chubbett's a man, Polish guy, man, Polish name. Uh, I'm going to butcher that so much, but yeah, and Blachowicz and Blachowicz, um, you know, should be a good fight. And then they were supposed to be a couple of weeks ago back, they were supposed to be Glover Teixeira and Tiago Santos. But uh, I think it was Teixeira, somebody, I think it was Teixeira, he had COVID-19. So that's been pushed back, I believe, to sometime in October. And that would most likely be the number one contender's fight for it. Because I remember back in July of 2019, there were some people out there arguing that Tiago Santos should have beat John Jones. And that he, I'm pretty sure that's the, that's the fight where he had the leg injury, whether it was an MCL or something, but there was some type of injury there. So, you know, the John Jones move up to heavyweight now opens up a lot of opportunities there at the light heavyweight division. Hopefully Dominic Reyes wins on Saturday. Um, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, and there's a Calgary guy, Nakeem Dawoodoo, fighting one of Khabib's cronies, man. What's his name? Zabara. Zabara something. What's, it starts with a T. I don't know how to pronounce it. But they're fighting on the main card, so that's pretty cool seeing a Calgary guy up there fighting. Hopefully he gets the win. And it should be a good, uh, a good, 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 good card to watch. Um, starts off again, starts off Fight Island. They're in uh, Abu Dhabi for a month. And that'll end on October the 24th with Khabib and Gaethje. So another, it's a, it's a good time to, to be a fan of the mixed martial arts, man. It definitely is. So I guess now we'll shift focus to the NBA and there a lot, a lot. That, there's been a lot that's happened since the last time I recorded an episode. And I kind of regret rec- when I recorded the episode because I recorded it last Tuesday. All right, so I'm recording this right now on September the 21st and Monday. This should be out on Thursday or Friday. I recorded last week's episode on the Tuesday 
before the Nuggets and Clippers game seven. And man, oh man, <laughs> was that a good, was that a good, good time to be an NBA fan? Like just to be a basketball fan in general, man. Everybody loved what happened that day. Everybody. And I wish I recorded it. I wish I was re- recording the podcast like right after that. My raw emotions after that was just like filled with happiness and joy. Like the Clippers are just the villain team of the NBA, similar to what Golden State was when Kevin Durant uh, had joined them a few years ago. And dude, man, like I just talking to everybody I was talking to after the thing, I was just so hyped on uh on adrenaline because of that freaking playoff P man puts up, he scores less field goals than the Clippers traded first round picks for him. Him and Kawhi put up nothing in the fourth quarter, man. And Kawhi too. Like, Oh man, you got to wonder, does that make him like, I got looking at the guy. I'm pretty sure he's not the guy to live with the type of guy to live with regrets, right? He's a smart businessman. First and foremost, he brands himself really well. And for somebody that doesn't have a high social media presence himself, like I'm trying to say, like he doesn't have his own Instagram pages or anything. He takes care of that side of the, of his life, the business side of the life by trademarking certain things, his brand deal with new balance and everything like that. So like he's a smart guy and I don't think he regret the I don't think he's a guy that lives based off of regretted decisions. However, if he had stayed in Toronto, man, just one more year to, if he signed the same, same deal, he signed with the Clippers with the Raptors. If he ran it back, there's no doubt in my mind the Toronto Raptors would have at least made the NBA Finals. In the East alone, like we almost beat the Boston Celtics with Pascal Siakam playing like Al Farouk Aminu. If you add a Kawhi Leonard to that team again, they win that series. And no disrespect to Miami either. A Kawhi Leonard-led Toronto Raptors will beat Miami. It would be close. It'd be like a seven-game series. But there's no doubt in my mind Kawhi would have such an easier run in the Eastern Conference. And the supporting cast he had in Toronto is much better than the supporting cast he had in L.A., Pat Bev as your starting point guard. You got to be kidding me, man. Pat Bev is the biggest bum in the NBA. The hard foul he had on Jamal Murray too. There's like 15 seconds left or like, what was it? No, it was not even. It was like five seconds, man. Then Jokic with the sick behind the back pass just to put further salt in the injury of the Clippers. And Pat Bev does that. Pat Bev thinks he's a dog, man. And it's so annoying because this guy, he, like he is, he's not, he's not, he's such a, a piece of shit player and such a piece of shit human being the way he seems so proud of injuring Westbrook's leg back in the day. And then what he does when his team's losing, like it's game seven, bro, you, you're going home. Just admit it. Why the hell are you trying to foul Murray that hard? You're just an idiot, man. All that talk oh, uh, about the um, uh, earlier game in the bubble with the Portland trailblazers when uh, Lillard misses both free throws and him and I think it was Marcus Morris are dying on the bench. Oh, Cancun on three in the comments on Bleacher Report's post. It's just, it's karma, man. It's karma. It couldn't have happened to a better person. Him and Marcus Morris, man, two of the dirtiest players out there, both playing for the Clippers. Marcus Morris is is a bomb, man, too. This guy's an actual, like, just, I despise this guy so much. He's human scum, you know, like, he's like that dirt piece that's just at the bottom of your shoes. This guy's a horrible, horrible human being, man. He uh, intentionally goes after Luca in round one. In game five against against uh, the Nuggets in round two, he tells uh, Millsap to pack his shit and get ready to go home. Nah, buddy, you're the one going home, man. You, you never talk shit until it's over, man. 
he never talks shit until it's over. And it's so nice. It's so nice to see guys like him and Pat Bev just get sent packing and just be humbled. They've had nothing on social media since this has happened. Nothing. They're a joke. They've been made fun of so much and it's all deserved for what they do on the court, the way they play, the way they act off the court too, and how entitled they are. All of this is deserved, man. Every single bit of it is, Oh my God, it's so deserved. Like, you don't understand, man. But like getting back to what the original point was, Kawhi should stay in Toronto um, at least for another year. You know, he could have ran it back one more year. And apparently, according to like the Raptors Twitter and some of the media sources around the Raptors, Kawhi thought the Raptors didn't have what it took takes to run it back again for this year. But if they if he had re-upped, Danny Green would have re-upped too because Green was oh Green's con- um, condition for coming back that was handed to green by management was if Kawhi's if Kawhi's down with running it back we're going to bring you back to run it back and then when Kawhi left that's when green got to go ahead to go sign his other contract with the Lakers so you would have ran it back with the same starting five you're right the same starting five that would have been Kyle Lowry Danny Green uh Kawhi Leonard Pascal Siakam and Marcus Gasol this would have led to you having a healthy and improved OG Ananobi off the bench Right. Again, there's no guarantee that he improves as much as he did this year in terms of him because he got the starting he got the starting spot this year, right? But your bench would have had OG Ananobi, Fred VanVleet, Norm Powell, uh, and Serge Ibaka. I think I mentioned yes. Yeah, so those four guys, right? And then your fifth guy, they I'm sure they still signed TD two, still signed Matt Thomas because those weren't your mid level exceptions. Your mid level exceptions were Rondé Hollis Jefferson and Stanley Johnson, right? So you still sign, you still get those two guys, two rookies and Matt Thomas and TD too. Uh, and it's just it, like you have the chemistry there already. And in terms of role too, like PG was playing number two to Kawhi. Like PG was Kawhi's number two. There's no arguing that PG is a better player than Kawhi. Kawhi is a better player than PG, right? But I don't think Paul George is much suited to that number two role. Uh, whereas I feel like Pascal Siakam is, and he showed that last year. And on some nights, it's not even Siakam. Some nights, Siakam would have been the three. Kyle Lowry would have been the two. And it's just like, oh, man, like the thought of it is just like no doubt in my mind if Kawhi had stayed, the Raptors would have would have gone to the, the NBA Finals again and would have had a good shot of repeating. But, um, you know, it is what it is. It's done. Um. I'm not going to stop laughing on the Clippers at all. I think they're a joke of a team, a joke of an organization. Next year is their one shot again. Like after next year, Paul George's contract is up. Kawhi Leonard has a player option. If they go out again, an embarrassing foul. Like, I, I don't know if Kawhi Leonard would stay. I get it's close to home, but you you surely think he, he wants another shot at a ring, right? And uh, right now it's it's looking pretty, pretty mm, pretty pretty glim pretty glum like it just doesn't the future doesn't look bright for the clippers next year their whole um their whole decisions that they made this past or last year in 2019 they they could be just proven to be so stupid by next year um by the end of next season because they've given up all their future they gave up shea gilgis alexander in that deal to to get paul george all their assets in terms of draft picks are gone. Uh, they're in a, you know, if, if if they don't win next year, they're just, it's it was a massive, massive failure. 
Steve Ballmer is an absolute joke, man. I still remember that cringy press conference last year to introduce uh, Paul George and Kawhi. And like I said many times, man, if any organization deserved to be embarrassed this bad, it's the Clippers because of their players, because of Steve Ballmer's weird antics, man. It's what he gets to, man. He like stalked Kawhi the whole year he was in Toronto. I just, I couldn't be happier after that happened, man. And, like, I'm trying to just, like, ring back to last Tuesday night after that happened. I was so high on adrenaline, man. It was just amazing, amazing scenes, man. Paul George uh, is just a joke of a player. And, like, he got third in MVP voting last year, too. So, you can't, like, you can't say he's that bad of a player. But playoff P, man, he, he just doesn't perform in the playoffs now. Like, it's since going to OKC, that Utah Jazz series. Since then, he's just not performed in the playoffs. And I don't know. I don't know. Like like I said, I don't think Kawhi is the type of guy to live live with regrets. But uh, if he does, if, if he has any regrets, I guarantee not staying with the Raptors for at least one more year is a big regret. And, um, yeah, it's just – it's funny to laugh at the Clippers right now, especially because of Marcus Morris and Pat Bev. <laughs> and apparently after after the Game 7 loss, Paul George said to everybody, keep your spirits high and, you know, stick together and let's run it back one more year. And don't know which players, but apparently a bunch of players just, like, rolled their eyes and kind of just gave him, like, some weird looks for that that comment because, I mean, as, as the, one of the superstars on the team and the team's number two option for him to do what he did, especially in Game 7 – that's just that's a hilarious joke, man. And uh, yeah, it couldn't have happened to a better team. It couldn't have happened to a bet, to better people, namely Pat Bev, Marcus Morris, and I'll throw Steve Ballmer in there too. I'll Doc Rivers too. Bro, it's so funny, man. Doc Rivers tolerates Paul George after Paul George cheated on his daughter with um, an a, a adult worker or something along those lines. It's just, it's so funny, man. The storylines are just so good from this. Uh, Again, like it couldn't have happened to a better group of guys. Those guys completely deserve it. And, you know, if Kawhi truly said he didn't think the Raptors have the tip to run it back, like that hurts a bit. But um, it showed him where he went to, where with a supposed another superstar and lots of depth with the the last two six men of the year, Lou Will and Montrezl Harrell. It just shows they're not any better than what he left. And if he had stayed, it's it's very it's possible, but very likely as well that he would have been in the finals. But yeah, I mean, it is what it is, and and we move we move on. You know, no looking back. So free agency twenty twenty one should be exciting though, with all these all these things and seeing how next season plays out. Because with the West, especially, you get Golden State getting a healthy Steph, a healthy Clay. The number two overall pick, Draymond's going to be playing a lot better with Steph and Clay as he as he always has with them. So that's just another another obstacle in the way. The Dallas Mavericks are only going to get better with Luka Doncic. The Denver Nuggets are only going to get better with Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. The Utah Jazz under Donovan Mitchell are only going to get better. The Lakers, LeBron is still there. As long as Houston keeps James Harden, they're still going to be an issue. Uh, Memphis, you know, if can John Morant get them into the playoffs? If so, like he's going to take steps forward with Jaron Jackson Jr. healthy, hopefully as well. Um, 
Zion Williamson and the Pelicans, if they can short, sort their stuff out, you know, they can they can make some noise. Uh, Dame's always going to make problems in the West as well, right? And uh, I don't know about OKC, depending on, like, what happens with Chris Paul, but uh, if he stays, they're going to be there as well, you know what I mean? Phoenix went undefeated in the bubble. Devin Booker only going to get better, right? Um, who else is there? The San Antonio with Popovich coaching. You can never count him out of making the playoffs at least. Um, the Timberwolves have D'Lo, Cat, and they'll have the number one pick. So, you know, they, they can make some noise, potentially fight for a playoff spot. Sacramento is the only team I'm iffy on. I think I, off the top of my head, I don't know if I missed a team or not. I hope I haven't, but uh, Sacramento is the only team where I'm just like, I look at them and I'm just like, you're not making the playoffs next year. And San Antonio to that extent too. But for the Clippers to to win a title next year, to get through the West next year, is going to be even tougher than it was this year. And they couldn't do it this year. And in the odd case that they do next year, that they get past the West, the East will be tough too, man, because – like Miami's a tough team still with Jimmy Butler. Boston's only going to get better with their young guys. Tatum and Brown are really, are really blossoming into into a great pairing. Um, Brooklyn's going to have KD and Kyrie. Giannis, who knows if he still if he stays in my uh, Milwaukee, Giannis is still an issue. Like the East is going to get stronger next year too with the addition of Kevin Durant. So this was the Clippers' year, and and they fucked it up. So now it's it's. Uh, it's do or die for them next year. It's make or break. It's either you win or you're just you're always going to be known as the organization that's a colossal failure, even with two two superstars uh, and the reigning finals MVP. You couldn't get to the conference finals. But unlike them, their counterpart in the same city, the Lakers, did get to the conference finals, and uh, they had a crazy win last night. Buzzer beater from Anthony Davis. He went off in the second half, man. Uh, he, he had two step back threes in the in the fourth quarter, and obviously one was the well, one wasn't really a step back three, but it was a is a catch and shoot three. And um, I don't know what Mason Plumlee was doing there. Uh, I've, had a, I've had a deep, I've had a conversation about this with someone, and me and him were just confused as to what the hell Plumlee was thinking. First of all, why'd you sub Plumlee in? Like, you know, I, I get it's to contest at the rim. But uh, I don't know about that. That's still, that's still kind of kind of sauce in my opinion. Doing that because Plumlee runs himself into LeBron, who's not even setting a screen for AD. AD simply just runs past LeBron, and there's a good distance between them. And Plumlee, instead of following AD, simply runs into LeBron and then is pointing for Grant, who's guarding LeBron to close out AD. Instead, Jokic, Jokic, to be fair, off the inbounder gets close to AD and puts up a contest. But man, that's just poor defense from Plumlee. And uh, it's not the first time he's done it. There's also the first time the, the Lakers and the Nuggets played in the bubble. I, I think he was guarding was a Kuzma or so, somebody who hit the game-winning three as well then. And he, he simply just didn't follow his man. And he did that again. So I don't know what Mike Malone was thinking, uh, thinking doing that. And um, But yeah, it cost them the game and could potentially have cost them the series. That's such a deflating loss. And if the Nuggets lose the next game and go down 3 nothing, you know, it's very unlikely that they can make another comeback and muster up their magic. They've played the most games out of any team that's still in the playoffs. They've, they have to be the most tired. They've literally been playing like every second night since the playoffs started. So um, apart from obviously the, uh, 
the hiatus where, you know, they took a strike and then they had one two-day break between series here. But besides that, that's that's been it. And um, do they have enough energy left in the tank to come back against two of the top players in the NBA? Like, LeBron's obviously the top player in the NBA, and it can be argued right now that AD is the second-best player in the NBA. Like, it can, you can see that argument, and it's it'd be very hard to object it. I mean, you could, but it's it's a valid point you can you can argue for ad being the second best player in the nba but he's obviously the second best player in the playoffs right now but you can argue that he's better than guys like Kawhi, better than guys like harden right so you can make that argument so can denver can denver mount a comeback uh it must suck to be pga dozier right now man you missed four free throws in that in that last quarter you make you make them, it's a, you win the game, right? And it's just Denver as a whole, I'm pretty sure their free throw shooting was bad. I think they missed like eight free throws. They shot 75% from the line or, so, or something close to that. So when you lose a game that close uh, like that, it just, it sucks, man. And uh, let's see, like it's deflating. Like as fans, you get deflated. As neutrals, you want the underdog to win too. And and you get deflated when you see that. So Let's see, like, you can, you've never been able to count them out this postseason, though. I mean, two 3-1 comebacks. Only team in NBA history to come back twice from a 3-1 deficit in the same postseason. So you can't count them out yet. But uh, if they lose tomorrow night, man, you can you can start to get the shovels out and you can start to put them down. But uh, let's, hope, let's hope that they win tomorrow and that they can, you know, maybe extend this series and, get, and put up a fight. If game two showed anything, it's that they're not going to get blown out like every game. They're here to to put up a fight. And, you know, the past two series have proved that. So it should be a good ending to the series. And hopefully they can they can put up a comeback. So moving to the other conference final, you know, Boston won on Saturday night. Miami made it close, man. But that was a, that was a bad start. And just from what I saw the game two, Miami just looked too passive, specifically Jimmy Butler. As the number one guy on the team, he should be he should be taking more shots and he should be more aggressive. And um, I know he said he likes to see his teammates get going over the first three quarters. And you know he's to a certain extent he's backed that up in the playoffs too because he's had some monster fourth quarters. Uh, but I would just say um, he has to be more aggressive. You know, uh, from the from the get go, not just from the fourth quarter, from the get go. And uh, so they've had a three. They're have a three-day break in between games they've already had the two-day break they got a break tomorrow and then game four is going to go wednesday so the series is more in line with the west final so that they could start the so that each team heading into the nba finals has give or take the same amount of rest so game four goes wednesday uh hopefully hopefully miami can can get their act together and win that game too and put boston on the brink because if boston wins that again it's a completely different series turns into a best out of three and and it's so weird because like the bubble, obviously there's no home away, but in the last 12, 7, 8, 9, in the last 11, no, in the last 12 games for Boston in these playoffs, the team that's been designated as away has won. So it's like, it's so weird, but um, it's just one of those weird stats that kind of has no meaning at all, but it's prevalent and it's, it's there. And you, you just like look at it and you're just like, what the hell, man? That's such a weird stat. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, if the Celtics win that, they're going to have lots of confidence again. And it sucks to see the guys as smug as Marcus Smart having that kind of confidence. But um, it is what it is. And hopefully hopefully Miami can can do something about it. And, yeah, like, really, hopefully 
they can end up putting Boston on the brink of elimination. But um, with the way these playoffs have been, man, you can never count anything out at all. Uh, this is such a close, closely matched uh, series. And I, I hope Miami pulls through. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a good watch for sure. All right, so we'll shift um, sports here to Dallas being up in the Stanley Cup Finals against Tampa Bay. I mean, game one, they played Saturday night, and Dallas won that 4-1. And uh, after they took a 3-1 lead in the second period, they got outshot some like 22-2. And Anton Hudobin just held it down then. This guy's been playing amazing for them. Like, he had such a good series against Vegas last series, and he had such a good game one. And, you know, they're three wins away from, from the Cup Finals, and it's it's still crazy to still think about it. A month ago, a month ago, they were 11 seconds away from being down 3-1 to us. And as a Calgary fan, like, you still think about it, and it hurts, man. It hurts because you look at this, and you think this could have been us. I don't think it would have been, but you still get those thoughts in your head that you were – you were 11 seconds away from taking a 3-1 series lead on the team that's three wins away from the Stanley Cup. It's a convenient excuse that I don't think should be applicable, but it's still something that does hurt because you think about it. And, um, yeah, like, I don't think many people had Dallas being in the Cup Finals. Like, obviously, I've said all along, I've picked against them in every single series. I've even picked against them in this series. I'm pretty sure I said Tampa in seven or six last last time. I might have even said Tampa in five. I don't honestly remember. But um, it's just what they've done so far has been has been uh, insane. And um, I don't know, do, should I root for them to win? Because anytime I've... Every time so far, I've rooted against them, and they've won. So maybe if I root for them to win, they lose. But then Tampa Bay wins, and I don't know about Tampa Bay, man. They stole 0-4 from us. So uh, it's a uh, – I don't know. Corey Perry on the Dallas Stars makes me not want them – not want to see them and him specifically win a cup. But it does take the sting out of things. It takes the sting out of things a little bit less when um, you can say you lost to the – to the cup winners, to the best team in hockey. So um, I don't know, man. We'll see how that goes. Game two should be getting underway soon. I think five thirty or six o'clock. So in a in a couple of a couple of minutes here or an hour or so. Um, so we'll see how that goes. And maybe by the time I'm recording next week's episode, Dallas would have already won the cup. Because uh, or maybe even Tampa. You know, game five goes. I think Saturday because game. This is so stupid, man. I'm I'm glad I remembered this, and this is just so stupid. I get it's in the bubble, and you want to get them out of there as soon as possible, and the players probably want to leave the bubble as soon as possible so that you know they can get some sense of normalcy back in their life. But why the hell in in the Stanley Cup Finals you're playing for the prize here? Why the hell is there a back-to-back on game four and five? It's very possible game five is an elimination game. If one of these teams goes up 3-1, game five is an elimination game. And Or even even then, if, if it's tied 2-2, game five is a critical turning game, and you're going to have them play tired. That makes no sense, especially because the conference finals went every second day. So why not just... It literally extends your stay in the bubble by one two days more two days more it extends to stay in the bubble instead of the finals being done on wednesday 
if, if if it goes to seven instead of them being done wednesday september the 30th there would instead be done friday october the second or not even honestly they'd be done like october the first yeah because it goes sunday tuesday thursday so it'd be done october it, it's one day and i don't get that for the nhl like the nhl's a league that doesn't get ratings in general like compared to the to the other major four teams and you're going to force your teams to play tired in the final when people might actually tune in you're going to force them to play tired which could could lead to a sloppy game obviously i'm not saying it's going to it's guaranteed to lead to a sloppy game but a keyword here is could it could lead to a sloppy game and could you just imagine some random person scrolling through their tv channels or whatever or somebody who has his friends or buddies that are hockey fans telling them to tune in for game five and they, they watch it and it's just a slug fest because of how tired they are from playing the night before. It's just like, Oh my God, man, the NHL is just so stupid. It's run by idiots. Like honestly, everything they do in that league is so wrong. And I'll get it. I'll get into this more once the season's actually over in a couple of weeks. Uh, Cause I uh, trust me, I, I just have so much, down about this league that I just want to get off my chest and how stupid they're run and how stupid their media and marketing is. And it's no wonder why they're the, the lowest watched of the big four and like why they're the least evolved and everything, why they're so, so behind and the last to react and everything. They're just, it's such a, such a stupid management process in the NHL. Like the, everything about running the league is just so stupid and uh, having game four and five of the Stanley cup final, back-to-back just just kind of significant significantly shows that signifies it and um yeah it just it's so stupid but um yeah so next by next by the time we're recording this next week uh we could have a cup winner if not for sure by next wednesday there will be a cup winner so uh so yeah um i mean i have no horse in this race obviously dallas beat us this year tampa beat us 16 years ago for an illegitimate cup if it was up to me both teams would lose but um it's not so i guess i'll go for the lesser of two evils and go for dallas because they didn't really harm us too much whereas tampa took away our cup so yeah maybe maybe i'll be putting a curse on dallas here by saying i kind of hope they pull through and finish this off but now, now we shift to um, another disappointment. And if uh, if you know me, man, you know my sports fandom is filled with disappointments pretty much all the time, apart from the 2019 Raptors. It's been disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. And it's, uh, it's very, very depressing. And um, that's what it is being a fan of Manchester United. It, it follows that too. Man, we had such a good end to to the Premier League last year. After Bruno joined, we went undefeated. You know, clawed back, got got back into Champions League football. Actually, finished in third. Um, but then, obviously, the Europa League disappointment and the, and the FA Cup and the League Cup, losing in three semifinals. It, and it it shows clearly that the squad needs strengthening. It needs depth. It needs you need a at least another fullback, preferably a left-footed fullback. You let Sergio Reguilon get away. Man, when I recorded last week's episode, I said Reguilon was close to joining United. I saw that he had agreed terms. And literally, like, after recording it, a couple of hours later, the rumors of Tottenham sweeping in and their Gareth Bale move too. I was just like, man, like, you can never have a nice thing as a United fan. 
in recent years. Uh, it's always negotiating. They're monitoring the situation. They've agreed to personal terms with the players, but they can never agree to the fee with the club. And it's just so annoying. Like you need you need another fullback, preferably left footed. They're linked with Alex Teas now from Porto. Apparently, the price is only twenty million euros, which is not that much, man. And but PSG is also linked with him. And apparently he's agreed personal terms with United, but the clubs haven't agreed a fee yet. And I mean, if it's 20 million, it's not that much in footballing terms, especially in the market day and age we're in. Just pay it up, man. Ed Woodward, Ed Woodward has to go, man. Like, oh my God. I'll get into that a bit later on, but like you need a, so you need a left-footed fullback preferably, right? After seeing what Victor Lindelof did and, Trust me, I, I'm a big um, Lindelof supporter. I like I like him as a player, and uh, he, he, you know, he did have a good season last year. He's a, he's occasionally prone to to lapses and error and bad mental mental mistakes. And he, he's like three. Yeah, you could simply argue he was at fault for all three goals. Like the first one, he lets Schlupp just run past him, and you know he's good. He's good at jockeying and he's good at keeping pace with the guy. But then when it comes to putting in a tackle, a challenge, he just, he doesn't know what to do. And then he lets it get into the box where if you do put in the challenge there and it's mistimed, it's a pen, right? So he just, he simply jockeys with Schlupp all the way into the box. He could simply put out a foot here to block the cross and it'll go for a corner. Instead, he he does not do that. They get the cross in and Townsend scores eight minutes into the game and it's one nil Palace. And all those whole eight minutes too, you could just, it was a, it was a moment. It was a sense of it's just a matter of time. Palace just looks more dangerous, looks more threatening. And uh, that's what they did. And they scored. And then, uh, you know, um, goes on later and he has that handball where it's the penalty. And you can argue about that all you want, but that is a penalty. You can't have your hand like that. doesn't matter how close it is. You're, you shouldn't be doing that. And then this is so annoying too. That the first time David Dea saves the league penalty in five years, and it has to be retaken because the whole foot on the line BS. And it's so stupid because every goalie does this everywhere. And it's so trivial too. Like his his left foot was leading forward, but his right foot was still on the line. But it's because he lifts his heel. So technically nothing's there, even though his his lifted heel is still in line with the goal line. And it's just like, oh my God, that's so trivial, man. And it's so annoying. And it if like I would be complaining about I wouldn't okay I wouldn't be complaining about this as much if it didn't involve my team but it doesn't change the fact that it's a stupid rule and it's a stupid rule that changes every like changes a lot of stuff and there probably there will probably be a lot of retaken penalties this year because of it and um it's just it's so stupid man but then yeah and then Lindelof gets burnt on the third goal too the ball comes to him. He miss he mistimes his footing. It falls at the feet of Zaha, who cuts in and just you know puts it near post, bottom corner, three one. That's game over. And that's embarrassing, man. It's embarrassing. You you still need a right winger. Dan James showed why he he's not that type of guy. Just two seasons ago, he was a championship player, and you know even though he had that hot start last year, he he was out of form for quite a quite a bit of last season. And he's not that starter. Mason Greenwood's still young. You can't rely on him to start every game. You can't rely on having that same front three, man. Jaden Sancho is a must. If you're not willing to muster up 120 to sign Sancho, man, like you're not going to get him any cheaper. You know that. 
there's not many alternatives out there either. Like I, I read that Juventus want to sell Douglas Costa. I'd be happy with that if you can't get Jaden Sancho. I'm sure Costa's not going to cost you the 180 million, like or 120 million. Like you need to have alternatives lined up if your main target's not going to be gone. And you've known for the whole window too that Sancho's going to cost you 120. Dortmund's not budging. You have two weeks now. October 5th is two weeks away. Every day looks increasingly unlikely that we'll, the United will sign Jaden Sancho. You got to have alternatives then, man. Like, you can't just focus all the time on one player. That it was in Mourinho's, before Mourinho's last season in charge, the whole the whole summer focused on signing Harry Maguire, and you don't sign him because the price was $70 million, But then a year later, you pay $85 million for him. Like, what's the point of that? You know what I mean? That's so stupid, and it's just... um it's so dumb and you just you like you see all these things like specifically i'm talking about like on fabio romano's thing like one of the you know tier one sources on the united reddit and every time united's mentioned in in a rumor it's just they're monitoring the situation like no the time for monitoring the situation was before the the window opens you know what i mean after that it's negotiate and making bids and I mean, yeah, they got Donny van der Beek done like pretty quickly from the time it came out. It was like a day or two later, you know, the official announcement came out. And so there, you can still have blind hope about that. But uh, it's very unlikely you would do that about a big name like Jaden Sancho. And then, yeah, like the Lindelof thing brought up that maybe you go for a center back. And man, if Dayu Upamecano is only costing $50 million from RB Leipzig, I don't know why teams aren't pouncing on that. That guy's good, man. That kid's special. And, uh, if United could do something about that, that'd be nice. Like ideally with the two weeks remaining left in this transfer window, this is a pipe dream and, a, and it's, it's very unrealistic, but, uh, Upamecano, Alex Teas and Jaden Sancho, if you could get those three, you'd be in good position to, to get third place at least and close the gap to the top two. Cause I mean, Liverpool, I, I know I didn't, I put them number one cause I was suspect of, um, Man City's defense, and still am to be fair. And uh, but Liverpool have just gone out and strengthened even more. Thiago Alcantara, who is linked with them the whole window, finally signed, made his debut, and he was he was great. And um, you know now they've signed Diego Jota from from Wolves, and uh, they're just strengthening. City as well had just had just won three one earlier today, right? They're going to keep getting better. Chelsea, they lost two 0 but they won last week, right? Uh, so once their pieces start to gel, right now they're not gelling, but once their pieces start to gel, they will they will look good. And Arsenal looks really good as well so far. They haven't played the best competition. I mean, they played Fulham and they played West Ham, two teams that are most likely be in the relegation battle, but they've looked looked decent. And Spurs, after losing one 0 to Everton, win five two. Human Son with four goals, really good for my fantasy team. So I'll take that. But um. Like the competitions there, the competition strengthening themselves even Leicester four two win over Burnley. They've taken six points already this season as well. And um yeah, like Everton as well, five two win after the one 0 and they've taken six points. Um the competition's there and uh if you're not willing to do what you need to do to be up there you're just not going to get there. And I mean, if there's no signings, I wouldn't be surprised if United don't get Champions League. Like, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I wouldn't, it, it, you'd look at the teams and the forums and you'd say it's expected that they will fall out of the Champions League positions because they still, the fixture congestion is going to start to kick in in October, man. When like, again, tomorrow's a league cup game. 
eventually it's going to be a league cup they're going to be champions league midweek there's going to be the fa cup later on towards january uh during the christmas period too there's going to be fixture congestion like crazy it's very likely your players are going to get injured you need to have proper squad depth to cover that and apparently um it's so apparent that we don't have that in the front for the front three and um i mean obviously De Gea is going to be on pressure the whole time now because Dean Henderson's back. The back four of the center backs, Eric Bailly's a walking injury. Phil Jones is is not good. Chris Smalling is most likely going to get sold to Roma, but if he's not, he can be a serviceable three. So I, I, if he's not sold, like if he doesn't get the twenty million that they're requesting for him, he should be he should be kept and he should be your bench center back. And you can argue. Oh, you can actually argue that he could be the number number two, the guy to play beside Maguire over Lindelof. And um, then you have Axel Tuanzebe, who is promising, but he was injured a lot last year, right? And you got Mengi, Menji from the youth team that got promoted as well. You can't throw him into the fire. You can throw him in with, like, one of – if you had, like, a veteran number three. But, like, Bailly's good too, though, but he's just – he's too injury-prone and – and then that's not covered. Luke Shaw's your left back, and you saw what happened when he went down for the latter half of the restart. The team just wasn't the same on that left side with Brandon Williams there instead. And then Wambasaka and Fasu Mensa, Fasu Mensa and Dan James were your starting right side against Palace, man. And that's just at for for a club of United United's caliber and size, that should just not be your starting right side on opening day. And I don't know if. Um, if uh, uh, Juan Bissaka was rested because he was unfit, he needed a bit more rest from playing a lot tour in the restart, but he should hopefully be starting on Saturday against Brighton. Um, there's just a lot wrong with this United team that needs to be fixed. Nemanja Matic as well wasn't included in the squad. I think I don't think it was injury-related. I think it was just he needed an extra rest from playing a lot towards the end, and he is an older guy. McTominay didn't do too bad in that pivot spot, but um, yeah, like a lot needs to be done for this team to even consider bridging the gap to the top two. And um, besides that United result, like the United Palace result, there wasn't really a surprise surprise result or a shocking result this weekend. It was um, mostly par for the course. And um, yeah, it's just if you drop points fast, because now uh, next week's against Brighton, then after that you get Tottenham, and then I think it's Newcastle. But then you have a, you have Chelsea, Arsenal, and Everton. Either three of four or three of or three in a row. But either way, like your competition's about to pick up. So if you can't get points from games that you should be getting points, specifically wins, if you can't be getting three points, you're gonna fall behind, and you're gonna have to hope for another miraculous run where you go 14-15 unbeaten, whatever it was, to secure a Champions League spot. And that's going to be harder to do with Champions League football and the, and the fixture congestion and all of the match fitness, the injuries and everything, the fatigue that's going to go around with it. So, and for those saying Oleo, Oleo, I don't, I don't agree with that. Give him a chance because otherwise it's going to be the same thing. You sack him, you bring in Pochettino. Pochettino might have a good end to the season, but then next summer he's not going to be backed with financial sacking. The problems for this club start from the top. The owners, uh, the Glazers, into Ed Woodward, who just sucks at everything he does, man. He's terrible. And um, even like, even when you have legends like Patrice Ever and Rio Ferdinand calling him out, and you even have your own players like Luke Shaw said, we need to bring in more guys. And he's one of the guys that would suffer if we did. If we bring in Alex Teas, as we're rumored to, that's direct competition for Luke Shaw's spot. But even when your own players are saying that, like, you need to act, you need to do that, man. And uh, 
like Chelsea just spent north of 220 million. City always spends a lot during transfer windows. Liverpool literally spent like what close to 75 million the past week. Uh, Tiago was 30 million. I think Tiago Chato was like 45 million. Like, fair enough. Okay, if you don't want to spend 120 on Sancho, but then at least suit out alternatives, right? Douglas Costa apparently wants to be sold. He can play on the right wing, a left-footed shot as well, which gives us options as we don't have many left-footers. So it's just, I don't know, man. We'll see how um, how Saturday goes. It's an early start here, so 5.30. That's going to be a pain in the ass to wake up for. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. And um, hopefully by the time I'm recording the next episode, there's some signings or some positivity because this, this past week was just an embarrassment, just disgraceful. And... Um, it shouldn't happen again. So, I mean, we, we've covered everything pretty much uh, that I wanted to get covered this week. And um, just at the end here, first of all, if you're listening to this throughout this, like, you know, big ups to you, man. You guys are sick. Uh, when, I, when I listen to this, when I'm editing, I'm like, damn, man, this guy's just talking a bunch of garbage. But, uh, yeah, um, first of all, if you're, if you're listening at this point, like, big ups to you. And thanks for the support, first of all. And secondly, I wanted to run a suggestion by you guys. So if you listen to this and if you get to this point, let me know what you think and just like message me on something on Instagram or whatever. But uh, if instead, like as long as, uh, as well as doing these podcasts, what if I record things kind of as they happen? So like, for example, like after OGN and OB hits the shot, right? I recorded a, a little clip of just capturing my raw emotions there because it's kind of hard to pull up your raw emotions like a week later after things have happened because I normally am recording these episodes on Mondays and they come out on Thursdays, right? So like the stuff that happens Tuesday, Wednesday, for me to capture that same energy again and that same emotion a week later, it's kind of hard. But when I think of it, 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 kind of, it comes back to me, but it's not as in the moment and it's not as raw. So I was thinking maybe as things happen, like uh for example after the clippers uh nuggets game seven i hop on here and i record like a little a a little 30 second to like a minute and a half clip of just my actual like in the moment energy or like or i just record like a a five ten minute video clip and i'll just post it on youtube and then it captures my actual raw energy at that time and my raw emotion and just like actually everything i feel because uh like trust me after the united loss on saturday too i was like i was just going in on this team man it's just like it's sometimes stuff slips your mind then when you begin to think about it a few days later. So I don't know. Let me know what you guys think about that. I think it'd be a pretty good idea to capture a lot of, um, a lot of raw energy and emotions and it capture it'd make for good content too. Cause a lot of my thoughts then aren't as clear and coherent as they are now. And even right now they're not that clear and coherent. Like I'm just, I'm just waffling at this point pretty much, but that's just the point of the podcast anyways. But um, I think it'd be it'd make for something cool and something interesting. So if, if you guys would be interested in hearing that, let me know. And um, otherwise, uh, thanks for listening. You know, follow the Instagram page or don't. That's completely up to you, whatever makes you happy. And um, tune in again next week and we'll continue just rambling on about random BS. So have a good one and I'll see you guys next week.